when we know that something is happening, we prepare accordingly. When we know that there is a test coming, responsible individuals will study for that test. When we know that daylight savings is coming, responsible individuals adjust the clocks accordingly in preparation for that event. And so the same is true when it comes to this information that we know that the day of the Lord is surely coming. There is no doubt about it. God said it. He is faithful. He is true. It will happen. How ought we to respond? How should we be responding? And this is what Peter explains for us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Peter writes, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So here we have this reality of the coming day of the Lord, and and we know it's coming. So then Peter says, so how should we then live? What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Now, in many translations, this is worded as a question because it, it kind of is a question. He's asking the question, how should we live? And, but in the question itself, he, he kind of answers his own question. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, in lives of holiness and godliness, depending on what your translation may say? And so we have five realities, or five responses, rather, to this information that the day of the Lord is coming. If responsible individuals prepare accordingly to Uh, events that they know is coming. This is how we should be prepared in light of the coming day of the Lord. And the first thing he says is that we ought to be conducting ourselves in holiness, lives of holiness, holy conduct. That word holiness refers to uh, an individual who is set apart. Holiness is is a character quality of a set-apartness, Uh, consecrated unto the Lord. We are set apart unto the Lord for his service. We are uh, holy unto the Lord. Speaks of the difference that should exist in our lives. We are are to be a different kind of people in how we live. It speaks to our conduct. The, The things that we do should be different from the things of the world. Right? That's, that's the foundational understanding of what holiness is. It's, it's being different. And this is true even when it's hard. Right? I, I know of, uh, of someone who they were asked to do something unethical in their workplace. And if they went to follow through with that, they would be compromising their, uh, their belief in, in what was right and wrong based on biblical morality. And so they risked getting fired in order to do the right thing, to refuse to do that which was unethical. And so that's, and and so in in that instance, they were different. When when everybody else would have gone along with it, when everyone else would have just towed the line and just done what they were asked to do because the boss said so, now this individual was different. And so they chose to do the right thing as opposed to what would have been expedient or uh, 
more comfortable in light of uh, the, the social pressure around them. And so that's, that's the idea is that we are to be people who are different. And boy, we have an, a tremendous opportunity to be people who are different right now. When we are living in a world that is just absolutely gone bananas. We went from, from this whole virus situation and all the division and all the fighting and all the, 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 the anger and, and stuff over this whole virus situation. And now we have swung into this. I don't even know how to describe, you know, what's going on right now with all of the protests and the rioting and all these things. How are we to respond to that? How do we live as God's people in the midst of a world that has gone bananas? Are we going to lose our heads as well? Are we going to be people who just simply react to the, to the news and to all the things that are going on around them? Or are we going to be people who are going to live according to God's word and to conduct ourselves as people of peace, as people of hope? You know, we, we don't place our hope in the things of this world. That alone should temper us as we interact with the things that are truly maddening about the things of the world and the things that would, would get uh, rile us up and, and cause us to be unrighteously angry. The fact alone that we have a hope that extends beyond this world should help, uh, temper uh, that response and should cause our, our unrighteous anger to be uh, subsided. But we are to be a people who are different. In, lives of, in, our, in our lives, we should have lives of holiness, holy conduct. Secondly, uh, we should be conducting ourselves in godliness. Godliness. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now, some might look at that and say, oh, well, that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Holiness and godliness, isn't, isn't that basically the same thing? And I think there, there's a slight difference in meaning. There's a little nuance between the meanings of these two words. Whereas the word holiness refers to our conduct and how we live our lives, that's, that refers to the, the, God, the holiness aspect. It's our conduct, our outward behavior. Godliness refers to the, an inward reality. It's speaking of our, our mindfulness of God and his desires. It, it has to do with what is going on inside our reasoning process, our, our decision-making process, our thought processes in our mind. It's a, it's a Godward orientation in our thoughts, in our minds as we approach life. So there is the difference. The holiness is living in a holy way, it's our conduct, it's our outward behavior. Godliness is our inward thought life as, as we are uh, approaching the Lord and as we are uh, living life and, and every single moment of every day or where does the Lord fit into our thought process? You know, most people live life and they don't have a thought about the Lord in their daily living. They don't have a thought about what God requires of them. They don't think about uh, his standard for life. And it's sad to say that uh, many who call themselves Christians live this way as well. You know, when we went through the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, in many ways, the, the preacher, uh, uh, King Solomon, as he was writing Ecclesiastes, he was writing to 
speak to those practical atheists who seem to live life without reference to God. And even though they may claim to believe in God, their life is, is void of anything that could hint or lead us to believe that there is something uh, that they, that, that the, what they claim to believe is actually true in their lives. And sadly, many who came to be Christians operate this way as well. And I would say that in, in different periods of my life, I'd, I've been guilty of this also, where, where the relationship with God primarily consists of praying before a meal three times a day. And that's it. We get so busy, so caught up in the things of this world, and as we just, just living life, just living normal life at work or at home, wherever we are, just not having a thought about the Lord at all. Is the time of, of meals and just praying before a meal, is that the extent of your relationship with God? If so, that's not a godly life. Because godliness is marked by a constant ever mindfulness of the Lord. So I challenge you, what occupies your mind? Just when you're going throughout the day, do the thoughts of the Lord come in and impact you and shape how you make your decisions throughout the day? What guides your decision-making process? When a decision has to be made, does the thought enter your mind, well, what does God's word have to say about this? Or is it simply a decision based on what I desire, what you desire, whatever, whatever seems to be expedient for the moment? These are things to ponder and think about. If this is how we are to live in light of the reality of the coming day of the Lord, this is what we should give ourselves to. Holiness, a different behavior than the world has to offer, and godliness, this, this ever, ever being mindful of God and what he desires for our lives. Well, when we are living life this way, when we are living life in, in such a way that we are, uh, our lives are, are different from the world in holiness and, and our mind is, is uh, frequently filled with the thoughts of the Lord, when we are living life this way, it, it, it shapes us and it, it directs our attention off of just the things of this world and, and towards a future reality that we look forward to. And that's why he says, beginning in verse 12, he says, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Waiting for and hastening. Now, your translation may say looking for and hastening or, or speeding the coming of the day of God. That word waiting for uh, has the idea of looking for with eager anticipation. Okay, and that's, that's just so whether it's translated as looking for or waiting for, that's the concept that it's something that you're looking forward to. And so you, you can't wait for it to come. You're, you're excited about it. You're looking for it. You know, we often look forward to particular days in uh, our lives that are in the calendar year. You know, when we were kids, we, you know, we're always excited about Christmas, right? I just, I can't wait for Christmas. And there's this eager anticipation about, I can't wait to see what's under the tree. I, I just, I can't wait to open up my stocking and see all the goodies that are inside. I'm just, I'm so much looking forward to Christmas. And so we have our advent calendars and we're every single day we're, we're peeling off a thing off the advent calendar or opening doors or however we're doing the advent calendar because we're looking forward to this great day. It's Christmas. 
Well, as we get older, perhaps the uh, Christmas begins to take on different connotations and things, and, and maybe it becomes a day of stress for others. But then we look forward to other days, right? Maybe we, uh, once we're in this workaday world and, and we're laboring along, and we look forward to just any holiday that gives me a day off with pay. That's what I'm looking forward to. I want that three-day weekend. Bring on Memorial Day. Bring on Labor Day. Come on. Is it here yet? I, I just need a break. And so there's that anticipation. There's that looking forward to those days. Well, that's, that's the kind of eagerness that we should be ha- holding towards this, this day of God, this coming day of God, looking for, we're anticipating, we, we're eagerly awaiting and looking for, is it today, Lord? Perhaps today. I don't know if, if any of you have seen some of the artwork that, uh, is, that can be produced that it just has two simple words, perhaps today. I know of a few pastors that have that hanging in their office of just, just a constant reminder, perhaps today, perhaps this will be the day that the Lord returns and calls his church to be home with him. Perhaps today. Well, is that, that is the kind of mindset that we should be having as we anticipate this coming day. This is a day that we look forward to as God's children. We eagerly anticipate looking for this day. Well, not only are we looking forward to it, but we ought to be engaged in activity that brings it about quicker, which is, this is a remarkable thing for for Peter to say in many ways. He says in verse 12, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, hastening the coming of the day of God, or speeding the coming, trying to bring it along quicker. Now, this is a very interesting statement on Peter's part, because in many ways, I mean, we know that God is sovereign, and he knows what the future holds, and he knows the day that he will return. We don't know what day that will be, but he most certainly does. So it's, it's almost strange for Peter to say that in some way we could hasten the coming of the day of God. What, what does he mean by that? And I think there's a couple of things um, that he could be getting at. Uh, one is that, okay, as we are engaged in hastening the coming of the day of God, if there are certain things that um, that hasten that, okay, that's, those are the things that we should be doing. So we might ask the question, what could hasten the coming of the day of God? What could cause that? Well, if we see the reason why God has so far delayed his coming, we see back again in verse, um, verse nine, that that day has not yet come because God is patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so we could say that the reason why God has delayed his coming to this point is because he is patient and that there are more souls to be saved. Well, let's get about the business of finding those individuals and sharing the gospel. And we don't know who those individuals are. So we need, just need to share the gospel with everyone because they may be the one that needs to be saved. They may be the last person to receive Christ before the coming day of the Lord. 
And so as we go about the business of, of sharing the good news of Christ, in a sense, we could say that hastens the coming of the day of the Lord. We could spend time in prayer, praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In fact, that is, that is the, the conclusion of the book of Revelation as, as John has just written the, the wonderful book of Revelation detailing out the, the marvelous, the frightening things and then the marvelous things that are coming and, and the details of the new heaven and the new earth. And, and he says, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And so that can be our heart's prayer as well as we are engaged with, with, uh, in prayer with our Lord, that we are praying, Lord, come quickly. Hasten your coming, Lord. And so in, in a sense, we could hasten the coming through our prayers. I believe we could hasten by uh, pursuing these lives of holiness and godliness as, as Peter is exhorting us to live. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that we may walk according to the good works that he has prepared beforehand, right? He has prepared good works for us that we should walk in them. Well, as we go about fulfilling that purpose for which he has created within us, the reason why he has given us new life is to live lives of godliness that we may do the good works that he has set before us. Perhaps, in a sense, we can hasten the coming of the day of the Lord by living lives of holiness and obedience to him. But in all of this, whatever it means to, to hasten the coming of the day of God, it, hastening is an active activity. It's not a passive thing. It's not something that we just, we just excuse me, that we just sit back and we just wait and we just look at our watch and look out the window and just see, okay, is this, is it now? And, and just, just waiting and counting the seconds as, as time goes by. If we seek to live life that way, it's going to feel very, very slow, is it not? It's like when we're driving down the road and we got the kids in the car and they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> it just, it just kind of makes the time feel like it just drags on all the more. But rather, if we instead, you know, we're going to give those children some kind of activity, a coloring book or, or a book to read or, or some travel game to play, it kind of makes the time just kind of feel like it's going along quicker. When we're engaged in some kind of activity, the time just seems to speed along quicker. And so whether this hastening is a, is a genuine hastening from the standpoint of fulfilling the things that God has set before us to fulfill, and thus we hasten the coming of the day of the Lord, or, or if it's just a hastening from a perspective standpoint, when we are active in the activities of the Lord, that it just seems as though time goes by quicker because we are active in that way, whether it's just a perception thing or, or genuinely a hastening from the standpoint of fulfillment of what God has set before us. In either case, it is an active thing. It is not passive. And so we seek to speed the coming of the day of God through fulfilling that which he has called us to be and do. Finally, the, the fifth and, and final response to this knowledge that the day of the Lord is surely coming, we find in verse 13. 
Well, let me finish verse 12. He says, we wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. He described that previously back in verse 10. The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn, but there's a big contrast there in verse 13. But, so that's, that is what the future holds for earth, but for, I should say, for this present earth as we know it, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Again, and there's that same word for wait. We are waiting for. There's that eager anticipation. We're looking for it. We're longing for that day. There's an eager longing and anticipation of that day. Anticipating that day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. It's interesting, the word for new, when it says new heavens and a new earth, it, it could refer to a, a couple different kinds of new. The word for new could have the sense of, of just coming into existence. It is new in existence. Have, and so it didn't exist before, and now it exists now. And that's one sense of the word new. But another sense of the word is, is the sense of having been renewed. It's a, it's a restoration or almost a recycling of something where uh, material was in, in, one, in one way and, and it has been reformed, reshaped, refashioned into something new. It's been recycled, so to speak. And, and I think that's the sense that Peter is getting at when he says a new heavens and a new earth. I think it is talking about a restoration of all of the created order a restoration. There's a picture of complete restoration and the entire universe, all of creation was subjected to the curse of sin when Adam and Eve fell. And all of creation has been laboring, burdened under the curse and has been groaning. In fact, I'm going to read from from Romans chapter 8 that speaks of that groaning that the creation does. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 22. He says, the creation waits with eager longing. That's, that's a similar concept to what we are called to do by Peter as we look forward to the coming day of the Lord. But, but the creation itself, it, it waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together. Lost my place. Has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So what Paul is saying here in this passage in Romans is that as we are eagerly anticipating this coming day, the, we, the, the creation itself is also eagerly anticipating the restoration of all things. Creation is groaning. It is longing for redemption 
longing to be remade. Said there in verse 21 that creation itself will be set free from the curse. The creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That's what creation itself is longing for. So I want you to think about that. Every time we hear about these different natural disasters that occur, every earthquake, every volcano, every, every hurricane, tornado, uh, wildfire, flood, or any other natural disaster, think of that as the creation itself groaning and striving and, and longing for a day when creation itself will be restored and, it, and creation itself will not have to be subject to the curse of sin any longer, but it will be restored to all of its original beauty and glory as God created the world to be. So it is almost as if when these natural disasters happen, that it is that his creation itself is screaming out, Lord, come quickly. And so we too look forward to this day when the new heavens and the new earth will be a reality. He says, according to his promise. It's interesting. I'm going to give us one more cross-reference. This is back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and you don't have to turn there, but this is Isaiah chapter 65, and I'm going to read just verse 17 for us, because this is the promise that Peter is referring to. This is where the, the language of the new heavens and the new earth, this is where it comes from, is Isaiah chapter 65. As, as Isaiah is writing and as he has spent so long just lamenting the, the, the sin that he sees around him and the, uh, the awful atrocities, the injustice that is committed in Israel and the judgment that is promised upon the land and yet the future restoration that is coming. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. The former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. That's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture. When the former things, that's, that's the things of this world. All the things that we see going around us, going on around us in our day, when we see individuals, you know, we see... So I saw the footage of the of the George Floyd situation, and it's just heartbreaking. And now we see the response to that in in our world right now, and the rioting and the the destruction that is leveled. And then there's the the coronavirus and all the the things that that has caused, all the all the devastation, the economic hardship that that has caused, and we see the turmoil in our politics and. And all this, just this crazy stuff that goes on in this world, in this, in this place of all of these things, we won't remember. They won't even enter our minds because of the beauty and the glory of the new heavens and the new earth. Going back to Second Peter, 
he describes the new heavens and the new earth as, as places in which righteousness dwells. Righteousness, truth, justice. That is what is coming. That is what we are eagerly longing for and looking forward to with great anticipations. Lord, come quickly. And as we anticipate that day, as we know that that is what is coming for God's children, this is how we are to be living, Peter says. Lives of holiness, lives of of godliness, lives that eagerly wait and look for that coming, lives that seek to hasten the day, and lives that latch hold of the promises of God that this is what is coming for those who have faith in Christ Jesus. So these are the five responses that Peter has for us that of how we should be living in light of the last days, living in light of the day of the Lord. May we be a people who live such lives. Any thoughts, comments, or, or questions in the midst of things tonight? All right, then I will uh, close in prayer and we can be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the things that it says and it instructs us. And Lord, this is such a timely passage. Of course it is because it's your word and your word is timeless and your word stands forever to every generation. Your word remains. So it is ever relevant. But as we stand here today, it it feels particularly relevant in light of, of the things that we see going on in the world around us. And we may wonder, Lord, where are you? Why have you not yet returned? Come quickly. And we know that you are coming and that the day of the Lord will come. But in this time of patience, you have called us to be living lives in a particular way, lives of holiness and our conduct that we are different from the world that is seeming, seemingly going to hell in a handbasket. We're to live lives that look different. We're to live lives of, of godliness that, that keeps you ever present in our minds, that, that our lives are directed by our thoughts of you. We're to live lives of of eagerly anticipating and looking forward to the day that you return. Hastening its coming even, doing what we can to fulfill the purposes for which you have placed us on this earth. Looking forward to the beautiful promise that we have, the beautiful picture of what the new heavens and the new earth will be like as as you describe them in the book of Revelation. No more tears, no more night, no more sickness or sorrow or pain, but only righteousness, truth, justice, and your holiness. We look forward to that day with eager anticipation. And Lord, I do pray even now, come quickly. Come even before this day is over. We look forward to your coming. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.